we'd like to talk for a while today about Jesus. You know, there's so many different subjects that we can look at about Jesus from the Bible. We can read many different avenues that we could take as far as wanting to do a study on that. We could go with love. There's so many things that we can go when we talk about Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus uh, Christ, the better hope. You know, you think about that old law. And the old law that, that was written there, Levitical priests made sure that those things were kept. And it was harsh laws, and it was a hard law to live by. And you can think about the times that those people went through living under that law. And the difference we can see now when Christ died on that cross and he placed in a new law. A new law that we can live together and under that is much better. It was a better hope. I want to tell you that Christ, uh, the subject today, Christ, the better hope, is exactly what it sounds like. It was a better hope. And we can look at these scriptures today and we can talk about Jesus and we're going to see that today, how fortunate we are, how blessed we are that we live under this new law of Christ. We can see, to start with, why a better hope. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 18 through 19, for there is verily a disannulling or a cancellation of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. You know, when we look at this scripture here in Hebrews, it talks about a cancellation of that old commandment because it was weak, it was unprofitable, and it did not make anything perfect. And we couldn't get close to God, couldn't draw near to God. When you flip all that around, we can find out that we have now a law that we live in that's strong, it's not weak, it's profitable, it's not unprofitable, it is perfect, and it's something that we can draw near to God. So you can look at all those areas that we take as positive aspects of Christ's law and flip it around and look at the negative side of that, and that's what they were living under. So we can see here why it was a better hope, and that law was canceled. God gave us a better law to live under through Jesus, his son, and God's plan was to be perfect. He wanted perfection. You know, when we think about perfection in our lives, we look at a lot of areas that people try and strive for perfection. And really, they, they do their best, but nobody can ever get to that. It, it don't matter if it's our life that we're living, it's not going to be perfect, or if it's something that we do in our jobs, it's not going to be perfect. There's always some flaw in there, isn't there? You know, a potter will take and make bowls and to his best of his ability, but if you look behind his shop, you'll, look, you'll see a bunch of busted bowls. <laughs> Because if something wasn't right, he tossed it out. Be a pile of, of just mud. If you have a, a, a cabinet builder or a guy that does lathe work, you know, he, he maybe makes a bowl, something beautiful. Maybe it was a crack in it. He wasn't happy with it. And you look behind his shop, and you got a pile of wood. But when it comes to Christ, and you think about perfection, God wanted perfection. And he got perfection. And we can see that in these scriptures today for us. How blessed we are to have a perfect God. Hebrews 7 and 11, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? We see here that old law was not perfect and that there was a reason for another high priest, and that was Jesus, because God wanted perfection. Jesus, the better hope, he allowed us favor through 
his sacrifice. You know, we can see in Hebrews 2 and 17, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. You know, we can look at that word reconciliation. If you'll take a Bible, we're going to read a little bit and see why was Jesus a better hope. We'll talk about more on reconciliation in just a moment. Let's read Hebrews chapter 9 and starting in about the 22nd verse. And it reads here, it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice, sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet should offer himself often as a high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You know, that's one of the things that when you think about perfection, you know, that old law pointed at sin, but it just it never saved anyone from sin. That law, the Levitical priests continually rolled those sins over every year, and they would do that. Here we find out that it's Christ's blood. It was the one time he's going to die for many. It was perfection. God seen, and when talking about reconciliation, that we needed perfection. So Jesus reconciled us through his death. Colossians 1, in verse 20, And having made peace through the, his, or through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he re reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unrepro unreprovable in his sight, in God's sight. You know, this reconciliation is a very important word we need to look at today. And why Christ is the better hope. When you look at that word reconciliation, that atonement, that we received was that blood that gives life, but it's favor that Jesus has given between us and the Lord. And it's a, a favor that we can have there that we can stand before God with the sins that are in our lives, in all of our lives, the world, when this sinfulness, God cannot be with that. It's got to be separated. And so we see that that reconciliation is favor that God will not be angry with us, that we can be forgiven of those sins. We see that is a, it is a coexisting with God, and that favor helps us to be able to coexist with God and to have that favor and that forgiveness. You know, we see in the scriptures that many people today, actually those scriptures will read and will not seek after that pattern and not seek after that form of the gospel and that salvation that we need to have that reconciliation. 
They, they go so many different avenues. You know, we want to look exactly why Christ was that better hope. What do we need to do in our lives to have that reconciliation? So how do we become reconciled through Christ's death? Luke 24, verse 44 through 45, we think about this chapter and look at this for a moment. This is a chapter that I like real well. It was when Christ had, had died on the cross, had risen, and had appeared back to the disciples. And there was some things going on. There was some unbelief within the, the disciples themselves. You think about Thomas at this time. That's when Thomas had doubt. And so many of them went and checked the grave and, and would not believe some that told the story that Christ had arisen. But Christ now has appeared to them, and he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you, while I was wet, uh, yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, and that they were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets, prophesied about me. And so he started reminding them. And he continues, and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So he brings them back to, again, in the very core of the faith about that gospel, that I was going to die, that I'm going to be risen from the grave. And he teaches them once again. Christ was always teaching, even when he come back to life from the grave. So what do we do? You know, this is a, a humbling question. It's a question that I know that when I don't know something, it is always good to go ask. Ask someone that knows. Ask someone that's been there before. Ask that question, what do we do? What do I do? How do I do this? And this humbling question points you right towards the gospel. Obey the gospel. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is what men in the Bible needed to do. And that's the question that they ask. In Acts 2 and 37 through 38, Peter, preaching this sermon here, said, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know, we see a continuation of what Jesus taught those disciples, a continuation of that same form, that same gospel that's being preached that was mentioned back in Psalms and in Moses and from the prophets years before Christ came. And so we see that form con continued to be taught. Paul declared the same gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 2 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. And continued here, he said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. You know, when you think about Paul declaring the same gospel that Peter did and that Peter declared the same thing that Jesus taught to the disciples and it points back again to the, it's just a continuation. And so where does man and why does man finally decide to break away from that and to preach something else, something in error? And that's what has happened many times. Someone chose somewhere along the line to say we don't have to do that. But yet, the scriptures teaches us that we are to be obedient to this gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, Paul defined the gospel, didn't he? Think about the definition of the gospel. What is it? 
death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Paul defined that, and he declared it. He said, I preached it, you received it, wherein you stand, and by which also ye are saved. So if I want to be saved, if I want salvation in my life, I'm going to go to the book that teaches about that. And God's word teaches us about that. I'm going to go to the men who taught that, who continued to take that same form and just keep passing it on through the ages. Paul did it. He said, by which also ye are saved. That's what I want to be saved by. So what are you obeying when you obey the gospel? It's the death, burial, and resurrection. It's that form of doctrine. When you think about a form to start with, we had mentioned many times a form as being something that's going to make it the same every time. I remember years ago, uh, right out of high school, I helped my brother. He owned a cabinet shop, built cabinets. And a very good example of a form is that when you build cabinets, you're going to have maybe 20 doors that are going to be all the same size. And, and you want them all the same size. You want them to look the same. And we'd build a form. We'd build a form out on a table. And so when we put our plywood up and, and the trim, and it was the same every time. It was that form. You could take those doors off, and their measurements are going to be the same. And we can see that built on anything in manufacturing. They've got a, a template set there, a form, and it's going to make it the same. The example of the prophets talking about Jesus, Jesus talking about the gospel, Peter talking about the gospel, Paul talking about the gospel, we have a form that we were saved by. And it is the form that we need to go to to read about that we can all be the same, that we can be saved from. Romans 6 and 17, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Simple, isn't it? The gospel is the simple truth that we can be saved with. A wonderful blessing. Christ, the better hope, give to us. You know, let me make sure I've got... What pictures of form or copies the death, burial, and resurrection? Some questions that we can ask is that many times the things that conflict with the gospel and salvation that we see the world doing is is just belief or just having faith in something. Is, is that really picture or give you the form of what our salvation is? Did you pray for Christ to come into your heart? Did you say a sinner's prayer for salvation? I'm going to have to repeat Garland on that. You're going to have to show me a scripture. If Paul or any of the other people that were saved throughout the Bible only prayed, then I believe the Bible would just mention that. Prayer is a beautiful blessing we have. But it's something that is used for us as Christians after we have been saved that we can go to God in prayer, isn't it? Is it really, from what you read from the Bible, used for salvation? You know, when we think about Paul, I think so many of the times we can look at Paul and see exactly that prayer alone or just belief alone is not enough for us, is it? When Jesus appeared to Paul in the form of light from heaven, you think about this. When he was traveling from, uh, to Damascus when, and Jesus appeared to him, we see and we know from those scriptures that Jesus talked to him and visited with him, didn't he? We know that Paul at that time from that bright light being blinded and Jesus approaching to him saying, you're hard to deal with. You're, you're persecuting the church. 
And when Paul finally recognizes who it is and Jesus told him who it was, wouldn't you think at that point Paul believed? At that time it was Saul of Tarsus. He was persecuting Christians in the church. But you've been blinded. And you hear a voice and you can't see it. If I'm walking along and I hear a voice and I'm blinded by the light, I'm going to start believing right then. You know, Paul asked that same question. Lord, what will you have me to do? Question. That's a humbling question. What do I do? Just like those in Acts 2 we mentioned a moment ago, talking to Peter. What do we do? My goodness, we've killed the Son of God. What do we do? The man that had been risen is now talking to Paul, Paul or Saul, and he says, what do I do? So Jesus talks to him and said, it'll be told what uh, you need to do. So Jesus had talked to Ananias, correct? He did. Ananias had told him, Paul, you need to be baptized. But in between there, let's, let's think about this a moment. Blind, sitting there for three days, hadn't eat, hadn't drink. What are you praying for at that time? Was he praying for a physical sight to be restored? I bet that's what he was praying for. So prayer was involved, had to be. He was praying hard. I mean, Jesus told Ananias, he's been praying for three days. Paul wasn't saved yet. So we see what Paul needed to do in Acts 9, 18. Immediately there fell from his eyes as he had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and rose, and he was baptized. You know, at that time forward, Paul now went and preached the gospel, the same gospel that was taught to him. The same that was mentioned a moment ago to the Corinthians. This is what I stand in. This is what I received. That same gospel. So it's that form that continues. Paul had to be baptized. So when Paul obeyed, he preached the gospel, that form of doctrine. And he mentioned there in Romans six 17, we're going to remind ourselves of it again. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Prayer is a wonderful thing, and belief is a wonderful thing. And yes, we do need to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But when we repent, and we we ask that question, what do I do? It's not just a prayer saying, saying, Jesus, come into my heart. It's a repentance. And it's an obedience. It's an obedience to the gospel. So in that form of doctrine, you can find out what you must do. It's what Paul was taught. So what was the form of doctrine? For I delivered unto you, first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So we see that we are made uh, the same, the same form. Romans 6, 3 through 5 says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Yet like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's simple. It's the power of God that he has that he can raise you up from the dead. We will go to God in prayer, yes, and it's important, but when it comes to salvation, we are to be the same form as all these people in the Bible were. That same form. We go into a watery grave, and we take on Christ there, and we're washed of our sins in baptism. 
Christ is your better hope. So when you think about that old law, that it was a cancellation of the commandment, going before because of the weakness and unprofitableness thereof, for the law made nothing perfect, and also is the bringing in of a better hope we can draw nigh to God. That's exactly what Jesus done. When we are baptized, when we accept Christ in baptism, it's profitable. It's perfect. It was a perfect sacrifice, the blood that was shed for us. It gives us the opportunity to be able to coexist with the Lord because of that reconciliation. We cannot be reconciled by prayer alone and by, by belief alone. If you can show me in the scriptures, brethren, of reconciliation by that, then I'm wrong. But if you take the scriptures and we look at the scriptures on reconciliation, it's you becoming in contact to the blood of Christ where God knows you and we can coexist with him because of the sinfulness in our lives. And we've got to be forgiven of that. And that's through obedience to the gospel. Obey Christ today. Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him through death or from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. We must obey Jesus today. You know, when it comes to the simplicity of, of the gospel, it's not, it's not a hard thing. And there's so many things that get in our way. If there's one today that's been thinking about that, don't let anything get in your way of obeying the gospel. When you obey the gospel, we're the same form here that we just read about, that the Bible speaks about. It's that hearing God's word and having godly sorrow and wanting to repent. And when we repent, we come forward and we say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We confess his name, don't we? And upon that confession, you'll be brought up here. The water is prepared. You can be baptized. You go in that watery grave. You're doing the same thing that Jesus did. You're going into that burial. But when we were asked to do that, in that way of, of form, we are doing exactly in representation of what Christ did. We're putting that old man off. We're dying. We've been buried with him. But then we rise up again in newness of life is what the Bible just taught us. And that gives you that remission of sin. It's so important that we see Christ was the better hope in our lives. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.